Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I get to sit down and have a good old chat with Matt Morgan. Um, This is a great episode. Um, We realised quite quickly uh, that we grew up not too far from one another. uh, And although there's a few years between us, there's lots of kind of reference points um that that we're, we're very similar at in regards to kind of music scenes and, and 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 i won't go too into it because we're about to to press play on the the chat itself but before we do that uh just quickly i want to say thanks to scroobius pip and everybody at the distraction pieces network um thanks to 76 my producer um and if you um enjoyed this uh, or even if this is like your first time listening to uh, off the beaten track then go and have a look in the archives because there's over 150 episodes um, featuring some of your favorite musicians actors comedians producers djs go and have a, a rummage around in the archives and see if there's anything there that um, tickles your fancy um, anyway back to today's episode please enjoy off the beaten track podcast with matt morgan i've got an announcement save our souls clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, 
And then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stu Whipping. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Sitting opposite me today via the means of Zoom is Matt Morgan. Hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm all right, mate. I've built a patio. To, well, I say I built a patio. I've laid some slabs down on my lawn today, and it's exhausting. Did you do it properly? Did you put all the sand and that down first? No, mate. I used to do. I used to be a labourer, and I know exactly how you meant to do a patio. Right. But because we're renting, I thought just get some slabs put because the lawn looks really flat and yeah. obviously once you put the slabs down you realize oh fucking hell this is not flat <laughs> so the, the shed i've bought that's meant to go on it the company say send us a picture of your base that we're meant to build this on because they don't guarantee sheds built on wonky bases obviously because it makes yeah. the shed start to fall apart so i think i'm going to have to either get a proper builder in or Pick these slabs are like fifty kilograms each, so they're they're horrible to move around. And there's thirty of them, and I've got most of them in, but like it looks it looks well shit. <laughs> it looks so bad. I mean, this is. Uh, I'm just going to press record on here as well, Matt. Um, just so I've got a yeah. backup as well. Um, arguably the most uh, manly intro to uh, this podcast yet. We've, we've spoke <laughs> sheds and uh, and uh, laying patio slabs. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. My agent, because my day job is writing, in the middle of doing it, I'm such a weird Walter Mitty character that I just, I was wearing like the right gear and I was doing it and I just, you know, when you sit down and have a break from physical labour and you think, yeah, in the sun and it was just like totally believed that i was a builder yeah do you know what i mean yeah i phoned my mate who's a landscaper to ask him his advice and he went oh mate i fucking hate landscaping it's so hard and i went yeah i know i'd done about an hour and then my agent called me and she was like oh we've got the contract for that thing you're writing and i was like he was like you've got the wrong number love i'm a fucking laborer i'm I'm building a wonky patio on grass um but yeah, that's what I've been doing today. So I am all right. I'm good. good oh yeah, you I'm all right. Like a man who's been to Ibiza. Do you know what? Like, um, I do get a tan pretty easily, but um, I've only been. I actually went back into London today for the first time. And, oh, did uh, you? Weird. Yeah. yeah, it was quite strange. I live. Um, I live in Grays, um, uh, in Essex, and I literally got on a train for the first time this morning, thinking this is going to be uh, rammed with. Um, you know, sort of people that lay patios and sheds. Um, yeah, yeah. And and it wasn't. There wasn't any kind of like builders on the train. There was no suits. And like, got off at Fenchurch and had a little stroll through to East London. And it was, yeah, it was really nice. It was like it was like when you go to London on a Sunday uh, and you sort of walk yeah, around the city yeah, and there's yeah. no one in there. It was quite surreal. But um, but you were wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, Is that the law. Is it the law? I haven't commuted so. I was, I mean, I didn't go into town that often 
this year anyway. But um, I haven't been... I had this vision when it all first kicked off of like going into... I just had this like future vision of going into Charing Cross, coming out and looking around and going, fucking hell, it's mental to be back here. After like, you know, that was my daily life or, you know, weekly life sort of thing. Um, and I can imagine, not like 28 days later, like everything's there. But yeah. when this all kicked off, I thought, I'm, I know that I'm not going to be in central London for ages now. Um, so, yeah, so like, you know, I know people are going back and stuff, but it is weird, isn't it? It's like I was reading out, because think how much the world's changed. You know, like what a machine that was going into town. If you were, if you were anywhere near rush hour as well, like, yeah. which I imagine media people, we we're on a 10 o'clock start more than an eight o'clock, nine o'clock start. But like, it's, there's just thousands and thousands of people trained constantly. It's just a machine, isn't yeah. it, for moving people in. And then I read it was like down to 5% at one point of yeah. what, of how you know so when you think before this virus you would have looked to that and thought this could never change that is our life like yeah, that yeah, yeah. How we, you know like and it wouldn't there's very few things that would change it like even if there was a war and you know london was getting bombed every i mean you know not that that would happen like that like the you know second world war but people would still commute in you'd still have massive numbers so a pandemic's really like the only thing i can think of that would have just blitzed that because yeah. it's like you you're not safe doing it, you know what yeah. I mean? But, um, but you but was uh, what was it like? All the coffee shops and everything, does it look like different or no, not really? Like, when I walked back to the station, like, there was loads of like sort of people standing outside the boozers having a drink and that in the sun, which, like, it sounds stupid, Matt, but like, the sound of it was really nice. It was like, oh, there's loads of people talking yeah. and like, and having a drink, and and I heard that for a long time, so it, it, that sounded really nice, but. Yeah. But yeah, just sort of walking through like all the kind of most of the restaurants were shut and stuff, and like I say, the city was just empty. There was no suits, and there was n- nothing was happening there. But when you yeah. sort of got more into east, and yeah, there was there was a lot more movement. But yeah, it was still well weird. Yeah. I went up there like about ten days into it, all like kicking off, just to go and get me like computer and that at the office. And that was surreal. It took me, like, I drove up there and it, like, took me 20 minutes to drive into London, which would normally take, like, an hour. And I just yeah. pulled up and just, sort of, it was so fucking crazy. I run into this, like, office within a big, like, in one of them WeWork setups. And I run in there and I had, like, a cap on. I had a bandana around my face and gloves. And, like, the guy in my office went, yeah, just grab all the Macs, just grab everything you can get. Like, because he didn't know when it was ever going to finish. I must have looked like such a fucking maniac. Like, just filling my bags with all this expensive stuff and then just running back out this empty office with one security guy sort of looking at me as if to go like, oh, I ain't even going to stop you because I don't want to touch you because I don't know what you got. And um, yeah. But when I put it all in my car, before I sort of drove off, I just stopped. And it was like slap bam in the middle of like shortage, which is like just a fucking shitstorm of people constantly. Yeah, and there wasn't a soul anywhere. Like anywhere I looked, there was no one. And I was like, I'm just going to kind of breathe this in for a couple of minutes because it's never going to be like this again. You know, it was like very yeah, sort yeah. Of surreal moment. But, I did uh, have that feeling, like oh, everything's gone. Like what the world before is gone. This ain't coming back. Like everything's changed. And like, yeah. so it is nice when you walk past the pub and see what looks like normal life. Yeah. Then, you, you know, you'll see the odd mask every now and again and think, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, it is nice. Cause I honestly thought 
like at the beginning when I was reading about what it was like in China and people dropping dead, I was just like, oh, we're fucked. Like, yeah, this is the end of humanity as yeah. we knew it. But it ain't that. As soon as like Nando's is open again, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you just think, oh, now if this was a horror film, they wouldn't open Nando's yeah, again. Of course. It's undermined the fear. But, um, Brilliant. Still haven't had Nando's actually. But. Right, shall we talk music then? Let's do, the, Let's do it. Let's do it. We've done patios and viruses. <laughs> Matt, the song with the greatest ever intro. Mate, this is so hard to answer things like this because, obviously, and I bet everyone says this, you ask me on one day, it'll be something else, right? But I will, I've gone for Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. Nice. Because... From the moment I hear that rain sample and then the bell, the distant bell, which I think they had to tune to the song by um, slowing down the tape recording of a bell or whatever until it was in tune. Um, And then that riff coming in, like whatever I'm doing, like whenever that song comes on, it puts me into like the first moments of some sort of 70s horror film. I don't know, it's so evocative. And effective, even though it is essentially a rain sample, a distant bell, and yeah. you know that that riff. Although that riff is the what's that called? The devil's um, can't remember what it's called, but the devil's uh, God. I've got to look it up because somebody, you know that there's a meme that says the closest thing to being a ghost is listening to two people on a podcast not be able to remember something when you know it. <laughs> you know, <And> it's like. <laughs> um, Right, hang on. There's a it, the, the the tritone, the three notes. It sort of sounds wrong, and it was a band in you know in the Middle Ages or whatever that was called the Devil's something, and it was seen as because it's sort of discordant. It was like, yeah, Devil's Interval. Right, it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so. The unsettling sound of tritones. Yeah, so it's like there's, there's something unsettling, but I've always found comfort in that. I don't know, I just love that intro. So it's not the best build-up, it's not anything like that, but it's very uh, powerful way of like, like when it's raining and grey and stuff, I feel like, oh, that's Black Sabbath weather. Yeah. And then and then as soon as I put that song on, it's like, oh, yeah, it takes me. I don't know what, what, what age, I suppose teenage years when I found, I think, you know, somebody, anything that sounded scary and yeah. weird and stuff. And we also, we, when we were like 16, 17, hung around with like these older biker, rocker people who were like Motorhead, Black Sabbath and stuff like that. Yeah. And so it was, it was quite cool. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. even though it's not seen as cool really. And I remember, um, yeah, they were into. I remember getting Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast, and the first song, or second song, or whatever, is six six six, the yeah. Number of the Beast, and it's that Bible reading or whatever it is. And I genuinely having I don't know having a Catholic upbringing or whatever. I gen- genuinely thought, oh god, this is power. This is like satanic music. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like really possibly dangerous yeah do you know what i mean like it was an incantation that could do something so it's around that time but like 
I wouldn't listen to, well, maybe ra- very rarely, but Iron Maiden, all the other stuff sort of dropped away. But yeah. Black Sabbath, I just thought, no, actually, there is, it's blues, really, isn't it? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, totally. But I love it. So that's my, I'll have that as my intro. Did you go straight for that? Or was there any kind of honourable mentions, considerations? Um, I mean, I didn't put any down. What else was I thinking? Oh, there's that song, um, Mini Ripperton. Is it called Left Fleur? Yeah. Um, you know that song? Yeah, it's a lovely song. Because it's got that build. It starts off like that pretty little, like, yeah. soul song. And then it's got that huge choral yeah. thing going on it's huge and that is also something yeah that when i hear that i just think and it's often used in films isn't it it's like it crops up in a lot of films and stuff but it sounds um, religious doesn't it it sounds like it's so choral. Yeah. it's like yeah just like so when i first heard that you know when you some when you hear something and you think I know this. I've dreamt this. I've, this feels yeah. like it's always existed. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember hearing that, and it probably was because it had been in four films that I'd seen. Mm. And I'm like, I've dreamt this. I knew about this. But it, it feels, I remember when I first, because it's 60s, I think, or yeah. 70s. And um, when I first heard it, I was like, I, it sounded of the time I was listening to it in, in the 90s, and it sounded like really well produced, like they'd layered in. Somebody the, done the, it in the 90s, though, so didn't they? It was. Oh, a, there, there was a. Um, oh, who done it in the nineties? Um, oh God, I can literally tell you because I listened to it on Sunday, which is quite bizarre. Uh, it was. What's it called? Like Le, Le Fleur. Not, oh yeah, yeah. The Fleur. The flowers. Right. So I'm just on the old Spotify. Yeah. Mini Ripper. Oh, Salut, say cool. Is it that? No. Star Slinger remix. For hero. Right, for hero. That's yeah. not on my. They must have called it something else then. It was around the time I kind of put his head massive and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking this sounds like something Tricky's produced. Yeah. Um. All right. Maybe I heard it then and yeah. then found the older version. But that's the only version I've listened mm-hmm. to recently is the Mini Ripperton. But like, yeah, that I was also thinking. Um. I mean. I don't know, Paradise City, I think, when I was a kid, like, because it's, I mean, Paradise City is just, like, big and yeah. that is evocative for me. And I, te- But then when it goes into that sort of nasty, fast bit, yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, that's good. But, um, no, nah, I think I'll, I'll plump for Black Sabbath and stick there. That, nice. This wasn't one of the ones that challenged me as much, actually. Okay. Well, let's let's uh, let's try track two then. First song you remember hearing, Matt, that had an emotional impact on you. Right. I've I've sort of loosened up the uh, meaning of emotional. Any emotion can be good or bad. Happy sad. Sexual. I've gone for sexual. Nice. I don't know why, but when I was a kid, I. <laughs> Like, uh, there were certain songs that were almost like a sexual awakening. Like, it was just overpoweringly, especially the video. Right. And But, like, the emotion it stirred in me was a sexual one. And even though I was a kid of, like, eight or nine, I remember thinking, oh, when I get older, I can really act on these feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I knew there was good things in the post 
in terms, I don't know, I just saw, so anyway, let me say the things, right? So these are not, these are just, there's three songs that I could think of. So I, do I have to choose one or just say all of them? You can say, we can have some honorable mentions, cool, mate. All right, so the main one, I'll have Chain Reaction, Diana Ross, because okay. in the black and white bit of the video, yeah, when it goes all 60s, and she was in like, I don't know why, I just... She's got the little bob, isn't she? Yes, yeah. yes. And I, it just as a little kid, I just thought, oh, wow, she's beautiful. And also that song, I think the Bee Gees wrote it. They like did, yes. a lot of, Yeah, and you can hear them singing yeah. it, can't you? You can sort of hear that. Um, just a really good song, yeah. you know, a good pop song. Um, and then, do you remember, I think we're alone now oh, by Tiffany. Tiffany, mate. See, I, I listened the other day, I think it was on, I think Six Music, and they played songs that you didn't know were covers, and they played the original yeah. of that. I, I thought that was just uh, a kind of disposable pop song from Tiffany, but apparently some kind of American New Wave band or something done it first. Yeah, it's a new, yeah, I've got it. It's good, actually. It sounds a bit like The Cars. I can't remember what band it is. Um, it's someone like The Cars, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but it's not them. It was like... Mm much less famous and successful, but like, but still pretty, you know, you, you, I remember, I don't know why, I don't know. I think I found it on an old, like punk and new wave US compilation. And then as it started, I was like, you know, children, I was like, hello. And uh, the old feelings came flooding back. Because <laughs> she was like leading you by the hand in the video. And then she'd like, we stumble to the ground and then you say yeah and i was just like oh god i love her <laughs> so there's her <laughs> and then i think actually this is my first choice because this was a proper right visceral memory of um of girls at primary school when i was at primary school remember like when lunchtime seemed to go on for about three months and it was like <laughs> you're a kid and you just think Surely, like all the teachers must have died or something's yeah. gone wrong. Because we've been out here for days, <laughs> and it was probably only an hour. But like, and all the uh, this is how I remember it. Like, all it was, it was really hot summer, and all the grass was dead. It was like straw, and all the one of the girls had like a tape player, which was pretty mad then. Anyway, which took batteries, I guess. And we were out on the grass, and I was one of the little infants that the big girls thought was cute and so they'd have me around and I think I had to press the button on the tape recorder right and rewind it and stuff so I had a little job like a little DJ and they were rehearsing some dance right where they were doing cartwheels and so even though like they must have been 10 or 11 they seemed like grown women to me I was probably six and I was in charge of the tape recorder or whatever I was doing and I just remember them doing cartwheels and then and I could see their knickers and I was like, which is fine because I was half their age. And then, and it was just like, it was just a great time to be alive. <laughs> and when I hear that song. That was, that was, work. that was Tiffany. No, no, wham. Oh, wham. nice. Oh no. Yeah. No, they, they were doing, they couldn't have done a dance to Tiffany. It was too slow. Yeah. This is wake me up before you go, go. <laughs> Do you remember it? What Ah, takes me straight back. Oh, and it's brilliant. like all the girls just doing these cartwheels and like doing this dance and thinking I was this innocent little DJ person yeah. made in, you know, 
hired. And actually, I was sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, <laughs> like some lusty little old middle-aged man. Do you know but, what? The, the first ass party I ever went to in like my first year at senior school, um, there, there was this this lad called Lee, and he was like the, the, the he was sort of Italian looking, and he was like all all the girls loved him, and uh, and he was like the first one in my year to get a girlfriend, and we went to this we went yeah. to this house party, and it was just photos of Wham all around the wall in this front room, and then. It's just ridiculous. I can't hear Careless Whisper to this day without picturing all of us sitting around the outside of this sort of front room on the edge of sofas, just staring at Lee, having a slow dance, trying to just get his hand on the outside of her jumper while she just kept pushing it away. And all of us were just sitting there just thinking, oh, my God, this is actually happening. To wham. It was brilliant. (laughs) Mate, George Michael must have had his finger on the pulse with... uh burgeoning sexuality or something I don't know it was like yeah that well that came after didn't it so Wake Me Up Before You Go Go must have been one of their first like Wham's first hits yeah 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 Careless Whisper was Wham wasn't it it wasn't George Michael solo no it was solo it was his first solo it was kind of in between oh, Wham I don't think Wham was split I think he threw that one out before like Wham <laughs> yeah. split like right right okay Cheap. well look, look, while we're talking school Let's let's stay oh, hang here. On, hang on, oh, wait, go sorry. On. There is there is an honourable mention here of to actually answer the emotional thing. Right. I was really trying to think, and there's loads of songs that you know, like Father and Son by Cat Stevens, and things that have a sort of sad story, and, and literally when you're a kid, just really upset yeah. you. Or um, I upset my son with that song. Actually, I put it on in the car. Said, "Listen to this, isn't it? Like, don't you just like it? Because we're father and son sort of thing." And he just pulled his eyes out and he wasn't really because of the lyrics it was just the sound of it do you know what I mean like it just sounded it's sort of regretful and yeah. sad isn't it but uh, no one thing I do remember I don't know what Olympics it was but I was a little kid I was meant to be in bed and my dad my mum and dad would watch the highlights of the Olympics and it had um, Chariots of Fire that thing and I, it, I, it would, I'd feel so overwhelmed emotionally. Yeah. I'd sit on the landing listening to it, thinking, "Oh God, this is beautiful." Well, you couldn't even see the montages or anything. It was just like no, just wow. the sound of it. And they would, they were using it to death. I don't know. Someone will be able. I mean, I can probably work it out now. What Olympics it was because it would have been the theme song for that Olympics. Yeah. Da, 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 da. And it was something to do around that time. I think Daley Thompson's Decathlon was a video game that had, yeah. that, that had a shit digital version of that in it. And I still liked that. It was like, it was really, I didn't know. And also, I didn't really, there was no words in it. And it was yeah. like, what is this weird music that's just, but uh, I remember that sitting on the landing. And I'm sure some kids were sitting on the landing listening because they actually cared about athletics, but yeah. I couldn't have given less of a shit. But it just was really, I just kept thinking, oh, is that music again? Come out of my bedroom and listen to it almost in tears. So that, that's emotional, I suppose. I wasn't, I wasn't turned on by it for once. Is that, is that, is that Vangelis? Chariots of Fire. No, isn't it? Um, it might be. Let me Google it. It was, because there's a film, isn't there? But I didn't even, I wasn't aware of the film. Yeah. Chance of Fire is the film, isn't it? Right, okay, yeah. so. Vangelis, yeah. Yeah. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? 
Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through. And you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Track three, Matt. I, I, I thought that was Vangelis as well, so thanks for telling me that. <laughs> it might be. I might be wrong. <laughs> no, yours sounds better. Um, um, the song reminds you of your time at school, mate. Right, well, we've done primary school, and that was wham. So secondary school, I have gone for... Well, definitely something off Bleach by Nirvana because when that, I mean, they were, I was like into, I don't know, metallic. Well, first of all, I was into not rock music and then I got into rock music and I was like, you know, the classic, like 1990, well, 1990, I suppose it would have been, but like Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Rage Against the Machine, all that sort of stuff. Um, but Nirvana was sort of a level above that and... It, I liked Nevermind and I liked all that those songs. But when I heard Bleach and that down-tuned sort of sludgy Black Sabbath-y in a way, um, that really like, I don't know, it was just that was like, oh, I found my music. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then that actually led me into a lot of other, later on, like in life, I started looking into like Melvins and a lot of doom and sludgy sort of metal, like I Hate God and stuff like that, which sounds, I mean, it's more extreme, but it is that sort of slow and heavy riff stuff, which is, and they're all those bands, massive fans of Black Sabbath. So there was some logic, I suppose, in the sort of lineage of that. But I was going to pick the song School, which is off the album because 
you know, school. Yeah. But probably more like negative creep. Oh, what a record. What a record. Yeah. yeah. Machine Head did a really good cover of it, but as a metal song, not as a sort of grunge. Yeah. But so I suppose it's metal-ish, isn't it? I mean, that album, if if you weren't into rock, you'd just think that was a heavy metal album, wouldn't you? Yeah. Just, but, um, so did you... Yeah, that's... Did you, did you hear Bleach before Nevermind, or did you hear Nevermind and then go back and discover Bleach? Yeah, no, I... Do you remember, like, back in the... I don't know how old you are, but, like, back in the day... Those, oh, yeah, right, so I'm 43 in a couple of weeks, or, I don't know, 10th of August, whenever that is. Um, so similar, and, like, we didn't have MTV. That was quite a new thing, but, like, some people had MTV in the house, yeah. and there was, you know, they could... But really, you didn't really... It was like any many, and there was magazines, wasn't there? And then there was tapes that people pass around. And you. it was quite... I quite liked it, because it was like you could truly like feel like you were discovering something. Totally. But um, no, never mind was... Uh, when we went, we were on a family caravan holiday in France. And I remember it because Sexy Motherfucker by Prince was out, and... In France, they weren't beeping it, so it seemed wow. really like every time it was on the radio, I was like, "Oh my god, I love France!" Um, but at that, on that same holiday, they uh, um, they were playing almost back to back, Teen Spirit, "Come as You Are," and Lithium, and it was just like fucking out. Like this band have got these three singles. It seemed like these yeah. singles were out at the same time, but. And then when I went to sort of Guns N' Roses in 91 or 92, whichever makes sense, because it would have been 92, I guess, mm. uh, at Wembley, or the first, this is the first time I ever heard Nirvana, as um, it was Faith No More and Soundgarden supporting them. And before they came on, it went ding, 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 and it was like fucking hell. And the audience were jumping up and down. And I said to my mate, we were like 14 or 15, uh, what's this? And he went, oh, it's called Nirvana. And like, and then there was a bloke who ended up being my postman on my bus, and he lent me the tape because he goes, it's shit. It's, it's just that first song, and the rest of it's shit, right? So he lent me Nevermind, and I took it home and listened to it on a tape. And I thought, no, he's right, actually. There's that good first song, and all the rest yeah. of it's rubbish. So I sort of parked it, and then we went on holiday in France, and it was like, fucking hell, all these songs. And then, well, to answer your question... I, it was definitely afterwards because someone just went, oh, you know Nirvana? They had an album before that. I was like, what? That blew my mind. And then, you know, the thing where they give you one earphone and I was yeah. like, fucking hell. And it sounded much more sort of dark and brooding and yeah. like lo-fi. And then I must, I think it was just, it was just, no one had CDs. It was all tapes. I think yes. it was just like, lend me, lend me that tape. And I copied the tape. So it's getting even worse sounding. You know what I mean? Every every time. But, um, yeah, just really, like, at the time, I remember I was doing a paper round and I was just go out in all weathers and have my headphones on. And generally, I'd kill, it took so long, I'd kill two AA batteries on my Walkman. And, you know, when it starts going, yeah. and you think, oh, fuck, now I can't listen to music. But, yeah, that album just, yeah. So, so that, and it reminds me of school because I remember walking home from school and first of all the kid putting in my ear who's a bit older and he's a bit cooler and then you know if i missed the bus it was like oh, at least i can listen to my walkman and listen yeah, yeah. to that song so as a yeah. kid that was into 
like Guns N' Roses and Metallica, like, could you see a big fundamental difference between like the kind of like the, the more kind of like, the, the, the glamorous looking rock music pre Nirvana to, to the fact that all of a sudden Kurt looked like, you know, this beautiful yeah. scruff bag. Like, you know, he, he, Oh mate, definitely. I remember I was in, um, I was around my mate's house in Swanley, which is near Dartford. And we were, I guess, 14, 15 and he had on <laughs> skin tight black jeans with cowboy boots, right? And on a, you know, because to be like Slash and to be in Swanley to go up Asda and get some, try and buy beer by asking someone to go and get us beer. But it just seems so fucking mental to be doing that in skinny, black, stretchy jeans it's and ambitious. cowboy boots. Yeah. It's, it was a bold move. <laughs> and the thing is, he hadn't followed through with the rest of the outfit because it was all sort of like stuff he'd got for his birthday or something. Do you know what I mean? So he just, he just had a normal coat on. <laughs> like a, a school winter coat. Amazing. But like, yeah. And then, but I, all I, I was just looking at it thinking, ah, oh, he looks so fucking cool. I wish I had cowboy boots. My mum never buy me cowboy boots. And even with the like rattly stirrup things, the whatever they're called, Spurs? I don't know. Um, not Spurs, not for, not, the, not that extreme, but like the slash I know things you mean, they're all clipped under the heel sort of thing, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So, and we'd walk up there and he was really self-conscious of his boots and the boots were really noisy. It was like, ka-chonk, ka-chonk. Um, and so, and that just seemed like normal. We all wanted, to, we were all growing our hair. Yeah. We were all like, you know, so like when Nirvana came out and, immediately overnight and it was bandanas and like mirror sunglasses that whole guns and roses look which actually they did a lot better than you know the, the, the it was like poison and motley crew yeah, and all yeah, that yeah, yeah. the la they theirs looked too clean and nice the guns and roses did look like they you know they were motley crude and yeah lived in a bin for three years or whatever and they looked i thought they looked good because i'd like rock stars to look like they were from another planet like yeah, slash yeah and then when, um, but then I think Kurt Cobain still had that sort of look, you know, like he still looked, they were definitely, you know, like with eyeliner and bleached hair and stuff like that. He still, you know, he put yeah. an effort in, a bit of effort in. But like, yeah, when, as soon as Nirvana became big, that thing, I think it's a fascinating period in music, actually, in sort of, especially in, in America. It was like what rock and roll was overnight changed. So imagine you were uh, Guns N' Roses, you know, you sort of, it's quite a powerful. There must have been. They were the coolest thing in the world, and overnight they were fucking, you know, washed up, embarrassing. And they were about 27, 28 when that yeah. happened. So it's not like they were forty and they were sort of, you know, doing a stadium tour, yeah. wheeling it. But um, so yeah, I definitely. And but what was I thought was amazing about Nirvana, and I actually knew Courtney Love a little bit through Russell Brand. Um, and I hung out with her quite a few times in LA and whatever, and we were talking about it. And I was trying to explain to her, like, grunge, you know, in Dartford or whatever. It was like, suddenly, you didn't need cool, you didn't need expensive trainers and, expen- you know, this, and they didn't need cowboy boots that cost 50 quid, and, you know, your mum had to go with you to Soho to get them or whatever, yeah. embarrassing. You could just, we would just go around charity shops and the worst sort of granddaddy looking clothes, you yeah. look really cool. And it was like, oh, it was just, I mean, just, 
on a financial level was was good yeah. but um yeah so there was that that shift do you know what i mean but Massively, then I still... it was that point at the mtv awards where like i think it's like kurt or, or or dave's like just saying hi axel hi axel down the mic and it's like yeah and it's just such a like yesterday's news this this is this is where, where it's yeah. at and it you know i think well, that was the same one that pearl jam were on and probably blind melon and the chili peppers and god knows what and it just felt like that look and that kind of overblown rock and roll thing just got put on the back burner for a few years yeah yeah i mean i think it was duff was no who was it up in front of hey axel um oh sorry yeah no it was nirvana saying axel wasn't it it was like He'd had an argument with with Kurt backstage and said, "Tell your bitch to shut up about Courtney Love." And it was that's why I was thinking the tall bass player Chris Novoselic was right. standing up there. Hey Axel, where's Axel? Axel. And I think at that one wasn't it when Axel Rose did a duet with Elton John. With yeah, their pianos facing each other. I mean, if you want to look uncool, yeah, you know, like Guns N' Roses. The you look on YouTube at the Roxy. That's where I think they were at the best. That Roxy gig, I think it was in '88, so a year after Appetite came out, and they're all on a tiny little stage, and they look like they live on the street, and it, yeah. it has you know it's proper raw power, and and like yeah, Axel was the problem really, as brilliant as he was, because Izzy slashed like Duff was a punk. Izzy and Slash were like rock and roll, you know, like Rolling Stones type, you know, rock and roll. Izzy always looked cool as fuck. Right. He did, yeah, yeah, didn't he? And he wrote a lot of the like, he's, yeah. he wrote a lot of the good stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I sort of feel like they maybe deserved another couple of years at the top, yeah. Guns N' Roses, before Nirvana came. But then when Nirvana came, it was like, oh yeah, that's all shit. I do, and, you know, and then I think not long after Nirvana. Because rock went into like Marilyn Manson, Linkin Park, and sort of new metal, and ugh, not not stuff I was into. Yeah, and then it was no longer the dominant musical genre in America. Yeah. It gave way to hip hop and R and B, and just you know, like it just the it isn't that huge thing anymore. Yeah. It doesn't exist. So probably Nirvana. No, who was the last? I suppose Marilyn Manson and people like that were the last sort of big thing mm. in rock but then that, that all seemed too contrived to me it wasn't very authentic it didn't seem to come from rock and roll it came from yeah. theater and i don't know just sort of mtv good videos and visual yeah. stuff but um yeah but my mate's cowboy boots were soon put <laughs> at the back of the cupboard <laughs> with uh, with the American uh, football top and cycling shorts, fuck me, that was a bad uh, look, what, Axel. Why what was, was he doing that? Oh. Yeah, that um, and he hasn't aged well, has he? No, no. My 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 wife loves him, absolutely loves him. She went to see him a few years ago in London when they done the outdoor show. She said she said they're brilliant. Uh, so it's absolutely they were, great. yeah, I watched them. They were, they were brilliant. They like mm. put on a show that. I mean, they've got the songs, do you know what I mean, for a start. They've got loads of songs. And when I saw them as a kid, it was it had that air of danger and it was, like, cool. But it was it was a bit sort of, I don't know, the sound wasn't loud enough. It was all, it was all like, a bit shambolic, it yeah. sort of felt like. And then, obviously, with modern screens behind them and better sound and stuff, 
it was really good. But yeah, it's a bit, it's sad that they didn't get on, sort their shit out and write yeah. more music. Because, you know, I think Axl Rose is a really good songwriter. I think yeah. there's, even on that Chinese democracy, there's good songs. It's just like he's singing in a, he sounds like he's strangled. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He's like really not using his voice right. Because your voice changes and it's like he's in denial. But I think like certain songs like Civil War and Estranged and stuff like that are really good songs. You know, I'd like to see him do a, a more like stripped back, like him at a piano, just not with all the fucking, because he was a big fan of Nine Inch Nails and like industrial music and, and more, um, you know, less rock and roll blues based stuff. Mm. And that's where Slash and him just differ because Slash has stayed pretty much in his lane yeah. the whole time, you know, but then I suppose there's an argument either way. I, I think Marilyn Manson got that, kind of perfect crossover of rock and roll and nine inch nails i think that the first stuff from him was was a a real obvious nod to trent reznor and that i think uh in in some of the early manson stuff definitely um well while just before we move on from this this question like how was school matt did you enjoy it (laughs) yeah that sounds funny um i've just come home from school (laughs) good day (laughs) <laughs> Can I have a biscuit? Um, it was, I thought, yeah, it was all right. I was, I was always in trouble, but then I wasn't a bad kid. I think I, I was at this really strict grammar school, and same school as Mick Jagger went to, Dartford Grammar School. Um, and I, I, yeah, I sort of, I liked that. I thought, you know, some of the biggest laughs and like just taking the piss and just absolute chaos of it was great but some there was a lot of cruelty from the you know there was sort of like it was a load of paedophiles there was like basically a paedophile ring our school and there it was just there was a nasty air to some stuff do you know what i mean and being an all boys school i think some of the um bullying and the sort of cruelty is worse than at a mixed school for some reason i think like the theme i think kids i don't know it feels like and maybe I'm being naive because I know girls can be horrible to each other, but it would have taken some of the brutality out of it, having girls around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, cool. But then, you know, I was bullied and I bullied other people. It was it was this sort of like dog-eat-dog thing. And, I, and there was definitely a change when you go from, I think kids don't, I think little kids have empathy. And then when you're trying to survive in secondary school, empathy goes out the window because you think, oh, look, as long as everyone's not having a go at me, I'm all right. So yeah. I'm happy. With it. And so, and then you sort of learn it again. So like 14, 15, it's a bit nasty. And then by the time we were coming back for sixth form, everyone was like, all right with each other. You sort of learn, you know, everyone's, it's just fucking somewhere you go to learn. Yeah. And the, the year sizes have gone down and I don't know, just sort of, it seemed quite chilled out. So in the last days, I I really enjoyed it. And we had a common room and you felt a bit more like, you know, you, you weren't just stuck in the playground, but then I did get expelled, but I, um, why'd you get expelled? I, well, the most ridiculous read, but basically I, well, the thing I got expelled for, it sounds like I'm stalling. Yeah, just drew, a bit. <laughs> I, I drew a penis on the cover of Return of the Native by Thomas Hardy. And I drew it two years before the teacher saw it, right? 
And it, there was a bloke in the foreground and there was all these hills going off in the background. And he's, he was on a horse or he was... No, he wasn't on a horse. I think I drew a horse as well. <laughs> but his dick went out of his body and then over all the hills. And then in the distant hill, it was his helmet sticking up with like, ding, sort of marks around it. Actually rather beautiful. And then I'm sat there and I've been told, you know, like I, I was disruptive. I was a bit disruptive and stuff. But then I did, there was English literature and I was really good. I got a B at A-level in the end. But the teacher said, like, stop it, whatever was going on. And then this kid next to me saw that and couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> and so the teacher said, bring it, what are you laughing at? And he said, his book. And she said, bring it here. And then saw it. And it literally was really, like, a bit of pill to swallow because I'd done that two years before when we started the class. And she looked here and went, well, go and see the head of the year. And then <laughs> I, was always, I was always in this situation getting told off for something that they keep pointing to and that thing is quite funny. So it's quite hard not to laugh. Go, Do you think that's all right? Do you think that's the behaviour? You know, and you and <laughs> you got to keep looking at this penis that's, you know, and you think, like, in this context, that's become even funnier. So yeah. now I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, yeah, so they and then they he just goes right. You got to go home now. You're not allowed back to school. If you come back on these premises, we'll call the police. You're allowed back for your exams. When you come back for your exams, you have to wear. Your, and it was like what the fuck. And suddenly, I was walking home, and I was just like, oh shit, I'm in so much trouble. I went home, and then um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I did get in a lot of trouble, obviously. But like on the same day, they kicked out two of my mates and then somebody else the next day and it was like what they were doing we realized afterwards was because of um i can't remember what it was called but like they would they had um league tables and their budgets because they were grant maintained oh, some no because they were the inspectors maybe it was i don't know but like they're basically if you weren't going to do well in your exams, they wanted you to, they expelled you so that you're an independent right. um, thing yeah, and you weren't yeah. included You weren't included in their figures, which is, I mean, horrifically bad schooling, isn't it, to do something like that? So basically they probably said, look, these are the four, five, I don't know, eight kids in that year who are probably going to fuck this up for us. So basically whatever they did. The teacher who sent me for the willy on the book wasn't involved, I don't think. The head of year was basically, he'd, you know, been slipped a piece of paper saying, look, if any of these, like, literally run in the corridor, send them home and whatever. So, weirdly, and then I had, I was, it was only, like, two or three weeks to my exams and I suddenly didn't have to go to school the next day. It was like, oh, shit, this is so weird. But I just revised because I had nothing else to do. And I was going to do all right anyway. I think they thought I wasn't, but I was always all right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't putting the effort in, but for the exams, I would have put the effort in. Um, so I did all right in my exams. So, and I was the, I got the highest English literature grade in the year. So hopefully they were gutted. They kicked me out. But it was a it was an horrible place. There's some horrible teachers there. And some like, I think, you know, like nowadays when you think of like, you know, for want of a better term, snowflakes or like millennials, 
you know, I remember being punched in the ear by a teacher and, you know, like properly, they used to put us in um, detention and make us write those mad essays like living inside a ping pong ball and doing lines, do you know what I mean? Like, which is basically sort of mental cruelty, isn't it? Just writing lines. Or they'd say, write um, four sides of A4 on... It was always something really ridiculous, do you know what I mean? Like, the the one I remember is that on life inside a ping pong ball, just to try and, like... Because it was like, well, what the fuck do I write? And then you'd write four pages of this drivel and then they'd come in and without even looking at it, just tear it up and go uh, get out. And it was just like sort of... You know, pretensions of public school and the army in a way, just like, oh, well done, you fucking, you know, you're a 40-odd-year-old man basically torturing young boys. Yeah. You know, all a bit weird. But apart from that, mate, I loved it. First record you bought, Matt? God, this is well hard because, I mean, I do remember going down our price. Where was this, in Dartford? In Dartford, yeah. And, like, I used to spend so long in record shops. you remember when it was like, I'd just look at the covers and read the song titles and stuff. And then it seemed like a revelation when they had a listening thing and you could take it out and go, can I listen to this? And then later, later, um, when they had, where you could scan the barcode and you could just listen to it in HMV on Oxford Street or whatever. And I'd have a stack of CDs and I'd be going through them, you know, like, and I sort of, I mean, I love, I love going on a Spotify binge and just like finding new stuff. And I think that's, you know, way more effective at finding new stuff. But when I was, I gave, you know, I sold all my CDs or gave them away to charity or whatever. And as everyone else has really, because it's like, well, why am I keeping these? But some of them have got like graying, you know, really, really like faded 1499, 1699 stickers. And you think, well, how the fuck did I? Yeah. I remember when I used to go out with a tenner in my pocket and, yeah. and buy fags, booze, be drunk, and get home somehow. And do you know what I mean? And so to spend 1699 on a CD without <clears throat> really knowing if it was any good, yeah, it was mental. But the first thing I, re- I remember, the first CD I ever owned was Velvet Underground. Uh, banana album, whatever that's called, with that's the banana. Quite album. impressed, the Andy Warhol album, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that was well, that was the first CD, and I was late to CDs because I didn't have a CD player. So I was probably fourteen, fifteen when I got that. Well, before before you move on from that, how as a fourteen year old boy, how did you discover that, and what did you make of that when you first heard it? I discovered it from. Do you remember there was an advert with um, shiny, shiny? Yeah, yeah. Whatever that song's called, can't listen to it for years. And it's got that sort of weird creeping, squeaking, like fucking weird yeah. drum stuff going on. It's like uh, scratching the song? strings or something, isn't it? It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. John Cale and I all. So like, um, so it was on an advert, and then I remember I probably was sixteen actually because I remember it was my first girlfriend. Her her brother in law had that album and then I remember yeah I remember that song got me into it and then even like the stuff with Nico singing Sunday morning and all that stuff but like heroin was the song where you go I actually want to listen to it now but like um yeah that's brilliant isn't it that album's really good of a record that is yeah yeah so there was that and like 
less cool. I had the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, so I was probably 16. That's some tunes on there. Yeah, I know. I'd never heard Son of a Preacher Man until I saw that film, and I was like, right. fucking that's the best song ever. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realise she was white, Dusty Springfield. I just thought, this sounds like Motown. sounds like, you know. Yeah. Um, but So th- there's that. But like, I think the first... I didn't go and get it myself, but uh, De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising, when I was probably 11 or 12, was, I think I just asked for it. For this, this is how I got stuff then. It was like, asked for it for my birthday or Christmas. And I got it for one of those. And I loved that album for ages. And I can still remember all the weird skits and samples. It's so and mad, stuff. wasn't it? Yeah. Is you can't find it on Spotify. Like that album's no, not you know, on there. Do you know why? I imagine they probably because didn't clear any samples back then. No, that's it. Yeah, but hang on, I felt like I. You, I think Say No Go or maybe I Know's on there, but the album I'm sure's not. Right. Interestingly, yeah, when I gave my CDs away, there was that and a couple of old. Who else was it? I don't know. There was someone else I, I discovered they weren't on there, so I kept. Oh, Grave Diggers. There's an album with yeah. "Bang Your Head" on it, um, and I was like, ah, oh. which another hip hop thing. So I imagine because of samples, and they were the only two CDs that I kept because I thought, well, I, I can't listen to you know I, I like those songs. Yeah. I can't listen to them on Spotify. But um, man, that Three Feet High and Rising was so good, wasn't it? It's an absolute masterpiece. It's my favourite hip-hop album by a mile. Um, yeah. I, I just think, you know, what, there's Treadwater, that's a fucking tune. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and yeah, and, and just seeing it, and and I think that, that was my first year at college when that came out, and, and it was that, I mean, that would have been 88, 89, I think, and it was just... And a mental time for music, Matt. You know, you had, I guess, Guns and Roses, but you also had, you know, everything that was happening in Manchester. You had like house yeah. music starting to explode. You had like hip hop, like coming from everywhere, and like it was just a mental time for you know Roses and Mondays, and it was like a really exciting kind of, you know, even stuff like the British like Salt of Soul and things like that. It was so much yeah. that little kind of period, and it was like it weren't like any other hip hop I'd heard because up until then it was public enemy, you know, NWA and, and stuff yeah. like that. And then it was like De La Soul. And then that just opened up the doors to like Tribal Quest, Jungle Brothers, Moni yeah, Love, yeah. Queen Latifah. It was like, Oh man, this is yeah. fucking great. Uh, but I really liked that sort of like what they kept saying was like the Daisy Age, Daisy Age. and all that. It was like, and that's never, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a massive hip hop, I'm not knowledgeable about hip hop at all, but like there's, yeah, they've, it's not never sort of done that. Is that, is it kid? kid? No, I can't remember. But like, you know, like sort of trippy hippie version of it where you're not, it's not about like, well, gangster rap and all that stuff or NWA or aggressive. Although when you listen to like express yourself and stuff like that, you realize, Oh, this wasn't, <laughs> they weren't like, yeah, you know, this isn't yeah. what you sort of remember it being like aggressive, whatever. It's like yeah. same sort of thing, samples and and tunes, really, wasn't it? But yeah, I met that, that album was great. And all the, um, I didn't know what was going on in this, like, so, little Darwin, <laughs> ding, 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 playing the piano. Yeah, look like, at him go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, um, 
what does tush et lelepu mean? And there's that <laughs> quiz going. Yeah. Uh, it's like, pause the noose. And there's a mad, and I was just like, I don't know what this all means, but I really like it. Well, I think um, Trugoy, if I remember rightly, was yogurt spelt backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and pause the noose was sound sock yes, backwards. Yes, that's right. I can't remember, but like, <laughs> it was fucking brilliant. And it still sounds good. It's yeah. still, it's still like, you know, it doesn't, age badly that sort of stuff massively um, but yeah no it, it wasn't in, I wasn't cool enough to know the Stone Roses or Happy Mondays at that point yeah I mean I remember like the farm and do you know what I mean like whatever made it onto Top of the Pops yeah. and got like, played like, all together now and stuff like that but it was there was some weird like, do you remember Carter USM which was a bit later and it was like some weird stuff that just doesn't it's, get it's a, it's a it's a big Big thing for me that scene. I've, I've interviewed Jim Bob from Carter on here, um, and I interviewed Miles Hunt from the Wonder Stuff yesterday. And that era of early nineties UK sort of guitar music, you know, yeah. in, in between, like I guess, Manchester and Britpop. That bit before then of EMF yeah. and Popley itself and all senseless things. All of them bands. I really loved that little moment because that was me at 18 so that was like yeah, what was yeah. going on in the clubs i was going to and it was like yeah, i'm loving this it was like it was yeah. and it was everyone could dress like kurt everyone you could just be a scruffy bugger and like and just jump around to this sort of music jesus uh, jones emf uh, there's some <laughs> like ned's atomic dust being yep. like it just sort of it's been erased it's sort of like nowadays and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well just sort of thinking it went nirvana and then Britpop, Oasis, yeah. and Blur. Do you know what I mean? But like, there was all that going on. Mm. I remember, like Carter. I remember some of the lyrics were fucking brilliant. Um, Come and then you fucking say this. Pucker up and kiss the babies. Kiss until they die of rabies. Get your tits out for the ladies and all that. I don't know what that song was, but like, it's incredible. Bits of it lyrics, stuff like, you know, and you forget, yeah. like, you know, they had a, like a number one album. You know, like they they headlined Glastonbury, and you just think. You know, and then you look at like EMF and Jesus Jones, both had number ones in America. And it's like, you know, that's, that's yeah, no yeah. mean thing. You know, to be able to do that, that's, that's pretty big time to go over to the States, you know, and, and have these huge yeah. hits. And, but yeah, they kind of, that, that little moment does, like you say, it's like Manchester, yeah. you know, Nirvana, Britpop. And uh, yeah, yeah. sort of float but in the wilderness a little. Unbelievable was a massive hit, wasn't it? Unbelievable. Mm. Oh, yeah. But like, I remember, um, and you will as well, I reckon, if you're from Grades, like Wallabies. Mate, and, all day long. And the, do you remember like having the, I was so desperate to get a medallion with like an Africa, an Africa or the yin yang. Yeah. We used to get the train up to London and go into a shop called MASH. And there was this shop oh, called yeah. MASH in Tottenham Court Road. And like, and you could get the Africa badge on the, uh, on the thing. And it was like, yeah, I have my purple Wallabies. Must yeah, I had purple dreadful. wallabies and uh, tie-dyed whatever the trousers were that went with it. Yeah. Oh, mate, what a fucking bizarre <laughs> time. Um, track five then, while we're talking, um, I, I guess, clubbing eras, um, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing, Matt. Right, so with clubbing, I had a love-hate relationship with it because in Dartford, you, um, I bet you know Zens. Do you remember Zens? I had done an indie night at Zens. I promoted an indie night uh, at Zens in about 
for maybe three or four, and we used to do it on like a Wednesday night. Oh my! Do you know what? Right, I, I to this day will still say that it's the only time I've ever experienced when people say you can be bored to tears. I remember DJing one night and welling up, thinking I'm so fucking bored. I think I'm going to cry. Because <laughs> what? Because it was empty. It was half empty, yeah, and there was just this one Dartford maniac that would turn up every week. Like, grab me round the scruff of the neck and tell me to play I'm a believer by the monkeys. And I used to literally just stand there having screaming rouse him every week, saying, I'm not doing it. And uh, But there, there was there was a bit of a kind of scene in Dartford that used to turn up. There was that kind of, like, rock rap crossover scene. There was lots of people in, like, Dog Eat Dog and Rage and Faith No More and lots of stuff. Yeah. Like that. I remember them sort of turning up in abundance. I was probably there, but hang on. What year? Because I remember when Zen's on a... It might have been a Wednesday night, did, but it was like a alternative night. I mean, yeah. It was less indie. They would play like rock as well, yeah, not that, just that was it. Yeah, yeah. it's funny that, yeah, yeah. And I remember because we were, but it was it was always quite empty. And it yeah, was like just the, and I was always like, yeah, it was. And also, even though we were all unified by a scene, we all sat because who became a good mate of mine actually. But one of them, there was a rival band, a metal band. And we were like rock and roll band and we seemed to have separated into two groups and the girls, there was some crossover with girls who could come to me, but there was like this very, there was a cold war going on, even though there was about 50 fucking alternative people in Dartford who should have just all been friends. They're like, yeah, we used to go there and it was, so that might, yeah, that, that, that was like the only alternative thing going on. Right. But, if you wanted to go clubbing, which was the main thing, like house music and, you know, it was the main thing. But you remember, like, it was, you had to have the right shoes, you had to have the right shirt. It was just, uh, we all had it. We all had gold hoop earrings. I remember when we first left Dartford to go out for the night in London and we went to an indie club, went to Pop Scene on Charing Cross Road. Do you remember that? Yeah, of At course. The story. And that was fucking huge and full of people and playing the music we liked, you know, because it was after sort of, like Nirvana would have been extremely uncool to play, but they were playing Britpop and Happy Monday, Stone Roses and whatever, you know, like sort of indie, I suppose. And these girls just took the piss out of us and said, why are you all wearing fucking gold hoop earrings you know like we were just we just didn't realize and i remember they the girls pulled them out and threw them away and we were like we're guys we're reborn we've like found a new world <laughs> everyone in Dartford had a gold earring shaved head shirt oh god it was awful but like but so yeah we we started traveling to go to clubs that were clubs that we liked you know because we weren't those kids but um and i just never felt at home in that actually I've got a playlist on Spotify with all house music from that era because it's so evocative to me do you know what I mean but like I fucking hated it I just hated I couldn't pull in there we couldn't talk to the girls in there I just it was not me do you know what I mean but um, but then like I said the music actually retrospectively I go I actually you know some of these songs are really good I'm a dreamer like all that stuff like those club bangers all that shit but so this song is, it actually bridged those two worlds because this song was played in every club, indie, rock clubs, everything. 
Born Slippy, and I bet everyone's out fucking chosen that, but Born Slippy by Underworld. I haven't seen Train Spotting, but I just knew this song kept being played, and I thought it was Damon Albarn singing yeah. for some reason. I thought it was like some like weird thing he'd done, some side yeah, yeah, project. Yeah. And I remember I was in Pop Scene, LA2, which is sadly gone now, London Astoria, and some girl goes, oh, you look like him. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, you look like bloke. And I was like, what bloke? What, from this song? And she said, no, from the film. And I was like, what? Because I had shaved head and earring and looked a bit, I didn't look anything like him, but I looked a bit like Renton to her. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, what's that? And like that that's what I'm talking about. Like Nowadays, if there was a, a film out, it would be, and it was having that much of a cultural sort of earthquake, train spot. And I'd know about it, I'd heard about it. But it was just, I just had no way of, until someone told me about it, you think now, especially social media, if there's anything that's in vaguely making any sort of cultural movement, hmm. everyone knows about it immediately. And also it's owned by every age. It's actually more sort of 30-year-olds who are owning the culture. But then it was like 18-year-olds, 16-year-olds, like, you know, like bands. You went to gigs and you didn't see anyone over... 25 yeah. i didn't i don't remember seeing you know like it would have seemed weird it was like nowadays it seems like it's people our age who are still consuming things yeah but um so i'd never i'd never heard of train spotting and then um but just that yeah that song just so fucking good and i remember always thinking oh this will be what music sounds like from now on like even rock like this because it's got it's not you can't really pigeonhole can you you not can't it's got rock in it it's got it's got what I would call because I like heaviness in music, and it's got that. It's got that like fucking you know oh, drum beat. It sounds yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it sounds mental. And him going lager, lager, you know, like it was just brilliant. But then um, it obviously I thought that was their style, and they do lots of songs like that. Yeah. And then you know there was some other good tunes and stuff, but like that was, I mean, what a song, you know? Yeah. But like I said, came, every club played that, and it always went off yeah. when that. You know, you know, it was always like a moment when that song was playing. Do you know? And it'll always take me back drinking. It was always cans. It couldn't have been Stella. I mean, fucked. But like, it's it's so weird. It's like um, I've I've run like a, a alternative club in, in in Essex for like years and years and years, and 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 to this day, yeah, that still gets played, and the reaction is exactly the same as it was. In 1995 or whenever it was, 94, 95, the minute them opening sort of delayed sort of whatever they yeah, are yeah. notes, it's just like pure fucking euphoria and like and it and it's it's yeah. still it's still like there's not many songs that you know that that still you you know that have been indie club classics for for you know nigh on thirty years that you can still play and get that huge response just from the opening, you know, uh, an intro, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. What a record. What a record. Okay. Favourite song from an artist from your home county, Matt? Home county. Um, right. Well, that's Ken. And like I sort of briefly mentioned, Mick Jagger went to my school. So I'm going to go with Stones. And wild horses. Oh, do you know what? Watch home. It's like the, yeah, my fave as well. Yeah, it's so good. Um, 
I had someone at school had the best of the Rolling Stones, some compilation that it was their dad's. This was the thing. It was like, um, yeah, we had all this great music. We lived in a great era of rock, but we also, people would discover, because of that Oliver Stone film, The Doors and The Stones and Jimi Hendrix, and like there was a lot of um, 60s music that people were really, you know, it wasn't like, it was like massive. I just remember like Jimi Hendrix and The Doors were massive in Dartford. People were like, you, 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 know, you saying that. And you mentioned in the Velvet Underground and how you discovered it. I discovered heroin by the Velvet Underground through buying the Doors soundtrack. Ah, right, yeah, because it was playing in the club yeah. when Andy Warhol's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, I'm, yeah. Um, I'm glad that wasn't you discovered heroin the <laughs> drug. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was yeah, that was on that soundtrack, wasn't it? Well, mm. I already knew it, but then I didn't know. Like, I liked that bit in the film. I'd love to watch that film, actually, I can't be asked, but it probably isn't that good, really. But I remember Val Kilmer giving quite a good, pretty good, pretty neat, I love my girl, all yeah. that stuff. But I used to take the day off school, pretend I was ill, and then drink whiskey and watch The Doors when I was about 15 or 16. And, like... Whiskey was really hard to get. I was like, you know, but then I'd get a little buzz on and watch that and feel like I was such a bohemian. Yeah. Then I'd fall asleep. And then my mum and dad would come home, or mum would come home and be like, How are you feeling? I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit tired. <laughs> I was like, literally just wanted to watch that film again and whatever. But like, um, so yeah, Wild Horses, because it was the first, we had it as the, our first dance, our wedding as well, me and my wife, because we both love it. But it was, I was listening to that compilation of the Stones and it just stood out. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, wow, just a ballad, but one that's sort of haunting. And, and I love, is it Sticky Fingers, that album? Yeah. Yeah. Dead Flowers as well, which is weird because, you know, he's from Dartford, Mick Jagger, and he's literally singing in a sort of country twang, which yeah. he does. But I love, yeah, Dead Flowers and Wild Horses. Um, really, I just always loved them. And Dead Flowers has got some sort of like sort of death country vibe, and Wild Horses has got. There's a, there's a there was a cover of it by the Sundays. Do one, you remember of my, that? one of my favourite ever records is their cover of it. Like Harry, it? Yeah, I, I think really Harriet bad. Wheeler's got one of the, the best voices ever. Yeah. Like um, yeah, I, I would it's probably really say cool, it's yeah. my favourite cover version ever. Oh, I, really? I, I fucking adore that cover. Yeah. yeah, so good. And like, it's sort of sometimes I could be, but when I used to listen to that, more in the mood for the cover sometimes because it's got that Mazzy Star oh, thing. Totally. I love Mazzy Star. Um, yeah, so like Wild Horses. And um, I tried to play on the guitar because I, I used to play the guitar very, very, very badly and only a few chords. But then in lockdown, I thought, I'm going to learn this properly. And then I've I've given up quite soon, but like quite quickly I gave up. But like it's got a weird B minor in the intro that's like always put me off because it's like I can't fucking do that. And I learned how to do it. And just from you know, like when you play something and you get you you reconnect with the song a bit, and it's just fucking brilliant. And like when so it was our first dance at our wedding, and then when we were getting married at this winery in California, there was this bloke 
outside just playing a guitar for, I don't know, nothing to do with our wedding. It was just like going on at this winery. And as we walked past, he was playing it as well, like an instrumental version of it. I was like, oh, fucking hell, that's weird. But um, yeah, it's just such a good song. And like, it's got that, a lot of the stuff I like, and you sort of got a sort of wistful, regretful thing going on, which always works, you know, like it's always good in a song. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my favourite song from my home county. What happens Perfect. if you're from central London? What do you say? Do you have, is it just London if you're from London? I imagine so, yeah. Yeah. Like that. Um, well, you, you can be DJ now, Matt, because um, the last song, you're going to get to turn someone on to something that they maybe uh, don't know. Uh, and for track seven, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Uh, this is hard because I haven't thought of anything good, really. But, like, um, I haven't... Let me think. I've got three things written down, and now I look at them, I think, nah. But there's a song by Leonard Cohen called The Window. Oh, what a beautiful record. You know it, right? So I, I love it anyway because it's got that violin at the beginning and it's just really beautiful. <clears throat> and I don't really listen to that stuff anymore. I went for a period of listening to a lot of Leonard Cohen and Neil Young, Bob Dylan and sort of, you know, I don't know. But, and I do still love them all. I just don't find... I just don't see... I don't got this... Like, I used to have this much... I spend a lot more time not literally doing this, but with the vibe of looking out of a rainy window. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, so that rainy window music. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, but then I don't... Nowadays, I don't indulge that feeling because I think I'd get stuck there. So I'll listen to... <clears throat> I'll listen to, I don't know, I Hate God because I like that sludge. You know, yeah. like, and I get stuck in a rut, actually, of listening. I think, like, you know, listen to something else, but... Um, the Window by Leonard Cohen, because I love the lyric, uh, O Tangle of Matter and Ghost. So as a description of a human being, a tangle of matter and ghost, I think that's fucking amazing. Yeah. And he was such a good lyricist and poet. Um, and that really speaks to me, that. But, like, all the lyrics, actually, Why Do You Stand By The Window, Abandoned to Beauty and Pride, Thorn of the whatever it is, it's fucking brilliant. So if people don't know that, because it's not on the best of Leonard Cohen, basically, it's, I don't know what album that song, I can't remember, but always loved that song and not that many people know about it. But, you know, so that. Uh, can I have two more? Yes, you can. <laughs> um, right, so Tool are a band I love. And, uh, and I totally understand people not getting them or liking them because I spent... 10 years not liking them or getting them and people would play it to me and it just sounded like I just fucking hated it. I didn't get it. And then something clicked and I the album, the second to last album, 10,000 Days, really was the one I was like, oh, actually, this is really good. And then once I clicked with it, I loved them. And it's like, in a similar way to like, Radiohead, it's Radiohead is like if you're listening to Radiohead, you can't put Radiohead into a compilation of sort of music from that time, yeah, because it's its own vibe. Do you know what I mean? And I find Tool is its own vibe, and it's like if you're listening to Tool, you just got to listen to Tool. But I find it because when I'm writing or like it's it's like sci-fi 
I don't know, it just really is evocative for me. And it's like science fiction, but soulful, but like slightly creepy and weird. But, you know, uh, but if you're not going to get into it, it's, you know, it's, it's a weird sort of band to unlock. And even people who are like metalheads or alternative, you know, people who there's a, sno- there's a snobbery about it. So I remember talking to people and they're like, oh yeah, I love all your music choices, but fucking old tool, come on. You know, so it's like, you sort of end up just liking it on your own and sort of reaching out. Do you like tool? And when someone else does, it's like, you know, it's like this thing. But the song writing too, I would say, because it's like, I don't know, just listen to writing too by tool. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's, yeah, it's, uh, if you're going to like them, then that song could unlock it for you. It's not the most catchy. There's, there's stuff which are more gettable, but like, I just think, that song, I used to listen to it on my mountain bike and just on repeat and go for a ride. And it's like it's, it's like music you can live inside and it gives you images in your head. And I don't know, it's just like fucking deep. And then when, if you put on normal music afterwards, you're like, oh, this doesn't hit the spot that mm. Tool does. So that. And then there's a cover of a Misfits song called Skulls. Do you know that? no surprises um but lemonheads did a cover of it a little acoustic cover and it's really nice oh so, what album's that on I, it's on a rarities and b-sides album right. i don't know how i found it but it's he's not even it's evan dando isn't it he's it, not like the guitar it sounds like it's like a rehearsal yeah. sort of thing there's lots of Evan Dando rarities that sound like that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan, and so I'm, I'm yeah, I've oh, heard yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm oh, a massive Lemonheads fan. It's funny because the juxtaposition of like Glenn Danzig's like, like one verse, he's like cut the heads off little girls and put them on my wall, and all these like dark. Yeah, the ly- the lyrics are so dark. It's like corpses all hang, lifeless and limp, whatever, and it's all like horror lyrics but Evan Dando's doing it as a sort of ballad it's beautiful oh, it's really beautiful actually it actually reminds me there's someone on YouTube did uh, Slayer's Rain in Blood lyrics right to the tune of Take Me Home Country Roads right it's worth finding that as well it's, this, it's a similar vibe it's got because he's the you know like um, what's it called if you just put um, Country Roads Slayer or something yeah. you'll find it it's this black and white video of this bloke but he's just done it for a laugh yeah. and it's really good because the lyrics go with the song and it's sort of like it does your head in a bit because it's a mashup you're like what hang on but um, they've both got a similar vibe actually but yeah Lemonhead's cover of Misfits Skulls, Skulls. is good right yeah okay well all of these songs Matt I put on a, a all of them that are available I put on um a Spotify playlist to accompany this so people can get <laughs> stuck right in there. Wake me up before you go. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, thanks so much for your time, mate. I really enjoyed it. Right. There you go. Wonderful chat. Uh, thanks loads to Matt for giving up his time, uh, giving up his Thursday evening to uh, sit and reminisce and talk music with me. Um, I had an absolutely lovely time doing that. Um, like I said at the beginning, if you enjoyed that, then go and have a, a look in the archives of Off The Beaten Track because there's uh, 
Well, there's a bundle of uh, episodes for you to get your teeth stuck into. So go and have a, a looky over there. Um, and yeah, thanks once again to Matt. Um, and thanks to you lot for listening and supporting. Um, if you want to support this anymore, there's also a Patreon page. You can go over there and, uh, and, and get stuck in there and support the podcast and get access to over 100 episodes that have never been released to the masses. All right, that's me done. Oh, just quickly, you can find out about everything at Pop Bible. At Pop Bible. You can go to popbiblemag.com. That's where you can get all your podcast recommendations. That's Scroobius Pip, mine, Adam's magazine. But that's not what I meant to say. But we'll leave it in there. It's a free plug. Off the beaten track podcast.com. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month, there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Eat it, boy.